an interview series with singers using the power of music to promote well-being, social justice, and offer support and empowerment to vulnerable communities. I'm your host, Joanne Lauder-Young. In this episode, I speak with Eduardo Mendoza, an award-winning composer, performer, and teaching artist known for his warmth and generosity. Eduardo was born and raised in Bahia, an area of Brazil known for its musicality and deep roots in the rhythms of Africa. Eduardo and his family now live in the U.S. in Washington State, and he's the music director for I Build Bridges Foundation, a nonprofit that brings together youth from diverse backgrounds to explore their own creativity, compose and perform, and build bridges among themselves and beyond. In this wide-ranging conversation, Eduardo and I talk about the importance of long-term commitment when working with youth, tools and tips for performers who now find themselves teaching online, and how racial and social justice movements can utilize the power of music. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and uh, about your amazing work. Can you say a little bit about what you're what you're doing? Thank you so much, Joanne, for having me, for inviting me for uh, this conversation. I'm very, very excited, very excited to learn about Singers on the Frontlines podcast. And I had the chance to check uh, the other uh, guests. And uh, I was so amazed by what they say. That's that's the word they needed, right? The word they needed to talk more about people does things and connecting people to each other. <laughs> right, right. So the focus of the podcast is not just singing for performance, but how mm-hmm. singers and musicians are using music to build bridges and work for positive social change. And I know you're doing such great work. Yes, lately I have been working more intensively with an organization called the I Build Bridges Foundation. They aim to um, put it together people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, and, uh, and connect them through the music. It's one of the goals. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm so happy because we are putting together, now we have about like 90 young musicians from 15 to 25 years old, together with many different backgrounds. I have classical musicians and rock and roll and, and reggae and uh, you name it. So it's amazing to see how they get connected, amazing to see how they are working together and not connecting among them, but putting their ideas and putting their work uh, to the world, to connect the world. Wow. So these kids are, are in the U.S. or are they in different countries? They are in U.S. U.S. is kind of the pilot program. But even in, in U.S., we, we pilot in Washington State. So uh, we have um, young musicians from Seattle, Renton, Kent, Yelm, Puyallup, Olympia. Yeah, they come nice. all over the place. <laughs> and I think I think that part of the world, that's a part of the U.S. where the world comes to that 
region. I remember when my husband was teaching in the Kent School District, I think they did some kind of survey and learned that there were 27 languages spoken yes. in, in one elementary school. So very diverse part of the country. So what kinds of activities are you doing with the kids? What, what are some of the goals? And then what, are you, what kinds of things are you doing with them? We started in, in, the, in the big picture. The big picture was uh, we wanted to future then uh, performing at the Banner Royal Hall. Uh, it's the House of Seattle Symphony. And they want to introduce it then at that level. So we put it in together for almost a year. Community building first is not about just to jump in and play. It's community building. We talk about us. We talk about others. We make uh, community agreements. You uh, work in the safe container and then moving together with the sound. It's, it, in, in, at some point, uh, rehearsal is not merely uh, going grab the guitar or the violin and play, but it's uh, how we connect to each other through the music. And the connecting to each other through the music, how we can go and, and, and share uh, this, who we are. We, uh, we hire amazing musicians, professional musicians to back them up. And as well, a string quartet. And uh, wow. they are, they were the stars. So everybody was here to work uh, as a, to support them, to support them as, as a musician. And uh, uh, from that point, from that point, we could get, uh, it, it's a uh, share with the world, making an amazing promo package and uh, give a big idea and uh, how our community can be how music can connect people. So uh, from there, uh, that was in July 27, last year. So this year we could not do much in terms of uh, right. Uh, right. being performing for the public because of the COVID-19. So, but we did not pause. We were still working online. We have a project that, that has been done in between uh, the keep work and the project, the compositions and the music. They have lives on, on I Build Bridges Facebook page uh, twice a month. And uh, they have been uh, working together. Today you had a Sabio. Uh, he did perform it today at the Facebook page for I Build Bridges. And wow. they all got paid nice. for that. They get paid for uh, show up on Facebook uh, live. Uh, they get paid for rehearsals. And uh, we work with them in the same way put them together and, and it shows love through the music and the, how the love, how people can be connected to each other, but as well to make sure they are compensated for the work. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very important to start to thinking about that the musicians has um, a mission of connecting people, sometimes or the most time healing and appealing to, yes, that's great, but also you need to look in the way how the musicians also need to be treated as a professionals. How and, they can and valued, that their contribution valued is valued. But the contribution is valued. Building bridges between us. Break the walls of fear. Building bridges between us. Break the walls of fear.
career, my solo career with Show Brazil, I'm still doing that very strongly. Uh, I mean, with COVID-19, not in terms of <laughs> like travels and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. travels and and and, uh, and the performance. You're very uh, active on Instagram, which is great right. to see. Yeah. Yeah. We, we try to keep to keep moving uh, as, you know, everybody else that is. And performers, we are at creative, right? But in that, we have to be now beyond creative. <laughs> it's kind of a new dimension of creative. Right. Well, yes. it's nice they're giving you the space to, to be are. creative and try different things. I want to relate this work with I Build Bridges to some of your work with Power of Hope because there I see some similarities in those two programs. Um, can you say a little bit about what you were doing with Power of Hope and how that relates to I build, I build bridges. What are some of the similarities that you see between those two programs? Definitely, there is there is a, a lot in common. Yes, uh, when uh, I start to work with the Power Hope, Power Hope was in the, their third camp. Was a <laughs> back in right, the nineties, I think. Back back in the nineties, uh, and that was really the beginning. Uh, they still like had figured it out uh, which way. To move, but already was very successful because the model of my first camp there's 70 young people like from uh, the whole week, and I could see the transformation on that young people in mm-hmm. one week. In one week. Right? So what was uh, the structure? What? Yes, the, the structure is pretty much be listeners, right? Is a is a offer a space for young people to speak their truth. For the young people uh, talk to each other, having the mentors at our job was pretty much share uh, what we what we knew. For me, for example, with the music and drums and singing, and the others uh, with theater, others with visual art. But the whole idea is uh, be a listener and uh, and 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 providing a safe place to have them to be who they are in the same way to support them to have experiences that they might not had uh, in other in other places so uh, being together with the mentors together with the teaching arts let's say in that way teaching arts that was together sharing their knowledge and at the same point able to sit down together with young people and say hey let me also learn from you Mm-hmm. That's what you need in the world. I think it's um, it, it's the to understand that uh, more we know, more we need to learn, and from <laughs> three sixty degrees for people younger right. than us, people older than us, and the same age, mm-hmm. we are we are constantly uh, learning, and they need to be open to to look around and to see what's surrounding us. Right. We all have something to learn from each other. 
Right. Right. So you also mentioned uh, how the Power Hope is connected right. to right, high build right. bridges. So it, it's uh, the connections in there. Like uh, we are understanding the listening and sharing and the receiving. Like the give and receive is like a two-way mm -hmm. uh, communication, right? Like, let me say in that way. Uh, two-way communication. Uh, one thing that uh, I build bridges is a moving in different uh, direction from many other organizations that was part of. Besides uh, the Power Hope, is uh, we thinking about how we keeping supporting these young people beyond that frame of the program. For example. Uh, one week camp or two weeks camp or a quarter, let me talk about like a, a longer connection, even like a, a quarter uh, work with uh, young people and bringing up, sharing opportunities, provide, helping to provide uh, space where they feel safe, where they, they feel trust, where they are able to speak their truth, to say, to speak from their heart. Mm -hmm. So after that, Sometimes for the sake of budget, or sometimes for programming, sometimes for checking quality, and then we just like say, okay, now bye, goodbye. So that yeah. makes me very sad. Like right. uh, see that um, they're still young, they're still young people, and uh, how we can keep in connection, not like having them like give back to the world that uh, we don't know if um, if they will uh, they will uh, be connected with a group of people that think about us or whatever right. so that right. they could be in, in danger. <laughs> right. right. And uh, what one thing that I Build Bridge has been thinking about uh, how we can keep supporting the young people to fulfill their dreams or to moving forward not feeling alone. Mm -hmm. um, even if we are not keeping them for the program forever, but uh, with kind of the tools we can we can give to them we can share with them to make sure there's longevity that's mm -hmm. make sure that uh, we are keeping moving i'm not saying that the short-term commitment let me say that way short-term commitment with young people is not valid no in the contrary it's better than nothing i see people right. uh, these days after 15 years when they find me in the street oh i still remember for that experience that is going to be in their lives forever. Right. But how we can go beyond that, how we can go fast, right. how we right. can support. That, that's, I think, that Build Bridges is a one, one organization that is thinking about and how we can carry on mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. these uh, potentials and these amazing young people that surround right. us. I think there's, yeah, I think you're right. There's value in having a transformative experience, which I think Power of Hope, which is now uh, Partners for Youth yeah. Empowerment, Pi Global, I think right. that they do that really well and they've really captured this creative community model in their book, Catch the Fire. Yes. Uh, and so, but I wanted to ask you, do you have a story of a youth that you worked with that, and it can be hard, right? You have that transformative experience and then you go home. You know, you're surrounded by love and creativity for a week, but then you have the reality of going home. And for some of those kids, that's a really tough, can be a really tough transition. Do you have any stories of, of kids that really navigated that well or that you you did later hear about and, and sort of heard how that transformative experience really shaped their life? 
Yes, the voice from the field. It's amazing program at this center in 4,000 here in Washington. And uh, this uh, is an amazing program because we work with the sixth grade students that work in the field plantations. That's the name voice from the field. So these young people that moving from plantation to plantation. And then the school system framed them as uh, young people that are not able to learn because mm-hmm. uh, they are not social, because they are having problems, they're academic, but they don't understand that the young people is working hard with the family picking apples or flowers on this right. on that. Right. And then and then they need to move to someplace else if you, it's not the time for apple now. And then they move, they don't have a way to socialize. And then this experiment is having um, musicians and, 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 and actors and visual artists, teaching arts in general, working to, with these young people for one week long. It's kind of the power hope again idea. And uh, that shows how these young people are smart, right? Mm-hmm. With the mm-hmm. conversation, what to record, what they show, when they, they go to the stage and perform, and they go to the stage and talk, when they sit together and talk about what do they think about the world. So that is this, <laughs> that's very powerful. So this story is uh, Adam. Uh, and uh, he was not socializing at all. I was observing, and uh, the old older was like uh, taller than then. They already came together from from school, and finally, uh, I was observing. They tried at the most, like using different strategies to to bring them together. And uh, one one day, and he was sit down at the piano. Doing one melody, like, but he's doing like over, over, and over again. I was observing this a young and beautiful young man uh, playing that melody over and over again. And then I, 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 I asked him permission to sit with him. He said, "Okay," and he play again. I don't remember the lines right now. And um, uh, and the fi- I finally asked, "What are you doing?" He said, "I don't know." I say, well, <laughs> I think you are composing. He said, no way, I'm not a composer. <laughs> I never write a song. I said, well, let's try again. I hit play, play, play. And then I start to play some chords uh, to follow his melody. He said, wow, this is beautiful. What's this? I said, this is your song. And then I ask him, I ask permission to record in that on my phone. He said, why? Because composers sometimes let me talk about myself. Sometimes if I have an idea, if I don't write, if I don't recording, like a few hours after or a day after, right. I completely forgot, it's right? Yeah. So it's gone. It's, I, I, I think if you permit me to record you, that's the way that we will not forgot mm-hmm. about this. I say, okay, you can do that. And then I record it next day <laughs> and I sit down and then I start talking with you. How about now putting... Uh, music that is like a form, like there's an intro, here is the body, here's the outro, and he wrote his uh, wow. his intro, I recorded, he wrote his outro, I recorded, and then uh, we show for the rest of the camp. When he show his music for the rest of the camp, everybody is hugging him, everybody oh. was talking to him, and then the next year, because I have everything recorded, and then I wrote a notation, and I gave it to the school. And they say, hey, that's the Adams music. And uh, I would like to see if your school, so the band in your school can play or for like, like moving 
uh, you know, that was amazing experience. I want to check back uh, how the outcomes. But um, yeah, he has his music already. He has his short. Uh, everything is written down and recorded. He has his own composition. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I think it's what really interests me about these front lines and where I'm so inspired by people like you that are using creativity to help others be creative. There can be, when you're in the performing, when you're only in the performing world, it can get a little competitive. There's a lot of competition for gigs and it's, you know, how do I get my voice heard? And the work you're doing, I think is so inspiring because it's a yes and, right? There's no limit. If, if, right. if you encourage me to be creative, then there's more creativity in the world in general.
Uh, I'm really curious about your your family and your early influences. Do you come from a family of musicians and teachers? Where do you think this comes from for you, this mixture and, and blending of teaching and creating? I came from a musical family. They're, they're the only one that became like professional musician was me. Uh, I was uh, seven of eight, right? Okay. So uh, what happened was uh, my family, every single weekend, they got together and played together. I was fascinated. Harmonies and guitar playing and their composers and... Um, my mother coming always making food right and singing with us like there's the perfect um, three f's family fun and food so nice. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, I, I, I did not play anything uh, not either my younger sister but i, I love it to i really want to grab the guitar but I, Nobody wants to give my guitar because I was so hyper kid. And then my <laughs> teenagers, brothers and sisters, they was really, and they're correct. They're thinking that was a <laughs> smash their guitar like, anytime. So nobody went, would say, oh, let me, no, right? <laughs> there is one song, there is like two or three changes only, chord change. I was like, observe, 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 observe. And then there was a time at home that Nobody was home because people was going to school, to work, and um, only my mother stayed at home. And then I managed myself to grab one of the guitars of my, 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 my sister and start to imitate what I sing then to play for that very simple three-chord song. Mm -hmm. And um, was, uh, uh, I was nine years old, almost ten. And the steel was a steel string, not nylon string. Uh -huh. And then what happened? I started to cut the tip of my fingers and there's right. a blood that come out. Ooh. And I put a band-aid because I really wanted to learn that song. And I put band-aids on the tip of my fingers. And uh, with the pain, I'll keep in practice. And then one day when I raised my head, was my mother look at me and say, oh, my trouble I'm, I'm, I'm dead meat and she instead <laughs> smile and she say I know what you're doing I know you try your best just make sure you after you you practice put your sister's guitar in the same way in the same condition you found and I was so happy that makes me my pain go away I really want <laughs> to learn that tune and then one of these in the one of these Sundays when everybody was playing, singing, when they start to play that song, I say, I know how to play that. I know how to play that. Please give me the guitar. Everybody say, what? No, no way. And my mother, wait, <laughs> give the guitar to him now. And everybody look at her and then they give my guitar. When they start to sing with this high pitch voice, little, little kid changing the chords. Oh, I never was kissed and hugged and, and, and all my life for my brothers and sisters. Uh -huh. And then from there, they start like to show me like different tunes. That's the way I think that's a good example uh, how we need to give you a chance. We need to give opportunity to others, right? right? And then that opportunity that I had 
from my mother that she says instead to punish me because she she knew what I was doing was wrong. But I should say, <laughs> just make sure you take care, right? So in the same way, protecting uh, the guitar from my brother's decision make me understand that I need right. to be responsible for that. Right. But in the same way, I know what you're doing and they keep you working, even seeing blood on wow. the tips of my fingers. Wow. And I, I hear in that story a parallel to the kid at Centrum from the Fields Project that you right. sort of recognized something in him and knew what he needed. So that's a lovely little parallel. You need to keep in multiplying these experiences, yeah. right? Because yeah. um, that experience that I, that, that, that I had with my mother, as you mentioned, that experience like passing for Adam and the passing for others and exactly. they, all teaching, teaching arts, they're thinking that way. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, oh, the teaching arts think that way, because <laughs> sometimes people don't think the same way. But the teaching arts, the, the, the arts they're thinking about, the teachers they're thinking about the education uh, is a tool for, for mm -hmm. transformation. It's mm -hmm. a, we support and to booster creativity, right. critical thinking, uh, communication, all these things that help us to people move on. Um, right. I, uh, there is a book in South in Brazil, when I take attendance, that say, the teachers don't teach, they help students to learn. Mm -hmm. It's true. So we are like helping someone to learn, right. helping ourselves to learn through the right. experience. And, and teaching kids how to learn, something I see here in Myanmar, because the educational system is rote memorization, that often by the time they get to be an adult, they need to learn how to learn because they haven't learned how to learn. I want to ask you a question. Your childhood stories are so, that's such a great story. And if I remember correctly, you're from Bahia in, yes. in Brazil, the region of Bahia. And right. isn't, is that considered, I thought someone told me once that's a quite, it's known for its musicality, that a lot of amazing musicians and amazing music has yes. come out of Bahia. Is that true? It's true. And also in Bahia, we have um, uh, the largest African descent population outside of Africa. So um, saying that, we are very rhythmical. <laughs> There's a lot of rhythm, right? Uh, <laughs> right. Even the young, young, young people that we see sometimes on the streets doing these amazing beats on, uh -huh. on uh, potting pens on the side of the buses and the, all the things say, whoa, what is that, right? <laughs> uh, it's true. We, uh, mm -hmm. we are very musical with the Muslim. Uh, we talk rhythmically, I uh, would we'll say in Bahia, yes. Uh, when we talk Northeast in Brazil, whereas, where the um, Africans as brought that's slaves by the Portuguese or the first arrived was in Bahia. So they stayed there for many years. So right, uh, right. It, it's the crib. So we have um, uh, a very solid uh, presence of Africa in Bahia. So how did you come to the U.S.? It was December 1994. Uh, that was, was not a hard decision, the contrary. I had this amazing position as a principal, but never stopped to play. I was... I was feeling that there was not much changing happened because of the system. The educational system for the public education was problematic. The opportunities for young people coming from public schools was terrible. 
in, in addition, I was losing my my composition skills because I was not having time to play my guitar or my keyboard. Uh, I mean, to, to practice or create something new. Um, I opened my case just to go to the gigs and they put it in case for the next weekend and then not make any changes. So um, because I working for 10 years without vacation uh, as a um, uh, arts educator, teacher and principal, uh, I had six months and paid leave <laughs> and uh, I took this paid leave and say I have to try something else. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I want to keep being a musician and uh, I want to uh, explore more my creativity and I want to do more with people. Mm -hmm. so I have been traveling to the United States before when I was in the high school as a part of the performing group in Brazil sponsored by the government. Mm -hmm. And I went to Chicago once and the Miami as well. And it was like, look at the difference for musicians and how uh, it's mostly for the a black musician, right? As I mentioned, uh, Bahia is a place where you have um, the majority black, 82% uh, of the population in Salvador are black. But uh, uh, the, the music that plays there, the majority is a black music. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you're talking about who became a star, who became a celebrity, who make more money than the gig, uh, is the white people, it's not the black people, just right? Just like the and U.S., yeah. Just like the U.S., just yeah. like the U.S. So, and then I was really concerned about that because besides that, I see this same thing happened in the U.S., but at least a, a black musician like me can at least, uh, for comparison, because I was living in Brazil, and, and they see uh, the difference is huge, uh, even uh, being uh, in, in almost the same way, but the survival for a black mm. musician in Brazil is worse than the black musician in the United States. Really? Much better than the way that I was in Brazil. So I am an international artist. I go very often, very mm -hmm. often to classrooms to play or to, to, to uh, share my experience mm -hmm. uh, for students. And uh, I, I, I went to Chicago first from workshop and then I came to Seattle because people from uh, Seattle asked me to share something about samba reggae because it's completely new here nobody mm -hmm. knew about samba reggae it's more samba samba right, right. and uh also some musicians from samba seattle asked me to do some workshop and then i came to the united states with my guitar and uh with my suitcase that's it and wow. uh with my dreams on my head uh, when I, when I arrived in Seattle, a lot of doors started to open to me. The University of Washington had at that time two dancers from, from Alvin Alley Ballet Company, wow. Mother Company, they was doing a uh, residence here in public schools. And uh, somebody heard me, uh, heard that there is a Brazilian black guy in Seattle and say, How, <laughs> why not invite him to jump? And the play with these two dancers would be an amazing thing to have uh, African-American dancing with uh, African-Brazilian uh, beat, right? My wow. English at uh, that time it was about 25 years worse than today. So <laughs> I could not understand much what they say. I just understand play. I play and they dance. <laughs> That's the language that music does, right? Sometimes you don't need to speak another language. Just go together and play and, do. and uh, after my six months, I just go back to Brazil and say, oh, I don't want this job anymore. Mm. So I feel good. So I feel good mm -hmm. even see that mm -hmm. we 
facing COVID-19 as invisible enemy. We face the racism as visible enemy. Right. I know I'm very clear about that, but I also am very clear there is a lot of people from many colors, blacks and whites, mm -hmm. that is together thinking and do something right. um, good in the world. Right. And mostly when you use music as a tool. If you only watch mainstream media, we're missing so many uh, stories of resilience and success. And But I am curious to ask you, as an Afro-Brazilian person, what's it like for you to be in the U.S. and to witness the Black Lives Matter movement right now that this this point in time what are you seeing about music the role that music is playing or could play at first music is one element that's missing in the 21st century the the railroad underground railroad was a that that, that african-american movement that through the music Music was a very, very important part of um, play against oppression and, and, and the work for freedom. Back in Brazil, the same, like capoeira. Capoeira mm, is uh, right. the Brazilian martial artist, guys, and the music in dance that was and still being a very strong form of uh, fighting against oppression. I, I, I think these days, when I'm talking about the Black Lives Matter, is an amazing movement because I see, uh, again, I, I, I never seen before people, uh, more white people getting together with black people say, that's enough. Like to join hands and they be on the streets and they say, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's there. So you, you see that, you see the difference, of course. You see that we still a lot to learn about the systemic and structural racism that is there, is still there. Uh, when I say about the visible enemy, because it's terrible, we still seeing things like George Floyd and many others uh, as we speak. It's, it's absurd to see that. Um, back in Brazil, it's the same thing. I'm not, too, I'm not too shocked that what's happening here, because in Brazil also happened with, with no much publicity as we have here. Mm. So maybe more people, it's more black people. It has been killed by the police as we speak right now. But uh, uh, there's no much movement like Black Lives Matter in Brazil. There's a, there is a lot of organizations and people that are very conscious that they speak it out, they, they talk, they looking for change, they look for equality. But it's, it, it, I think the United States is a little bit more stronger, the way that people go and, uh, and they ask for justice. I think the, 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 the music is... Uh, it's something that I really miss. I really miss more singing, uh, more uh, rhythm present, uh, mm -hmm. and, and how the way because music is is healing. It's proof, right? You see from the United States from the Black history, you see the music is present, and Brazilian Black history, the music is present as well. And maybe you need something. Maybe. I should like to, uh, instead to be only talking here, but talk to others and say, hey, how are you can do on that, right? So far, we have a few talks uh, about racism. We have been, even the young people from I Build Bridges, they did record a message, Black Lives Matter. They, was, they came mm. with the words, is there, we put, put in every, everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, their voices in there. They are very 
confident and comfortable. All the executive team also is very comfortable to talk about it. Uh, we need a, a, a place just to live. And the music is one of the tools that we can use that is clear. I build bridges there. Mm-hmm. is a giving the message but um, again it's important do something but uh, how can we move it together to make something stronger right because i see many many people with the good ideas many people with uh, if you look around seattle asia uh, the five continents five continents so you see with the lives and the how people getting connected digitally more than ever because of the covid 19 because Every, you see, every time you see more and more people doing amazing things that mm-hmm. never saw before, how we can connect yeah. that, how we yeah. can make this stronger? Yeah. That's my question. I don't have a solution for that. I don't have an idea for that, <laughs> but I think something needs to be done. But I want to go back to what you were saying about healing and how healing uh, music can be. I'm just curious about the dynamic of what it's like to be to be black from another country and then what's happening with within the Afri- African American communities here. You there's so many similar experiences that Africans yeah. had in Brazil. Yes, I I do feel connected with the African community here because uh, um, if we if you start if you stop to thinking about it, we came from one place as Africa. Mm-hmm. Right? right, and the, the ships were like going in different direction: South America, Central America, North America. But we had one uh, common place, which is Africa. I do feel I do feel supported by the um, the African American community here, and uh, I feel myself always available when the African American needs me in here what what makes one more layer on my status in here is being an immigrant. So at the same point that I do recognize my privilege to be a male, to be a man, uh, like saying this word here, is still see a lot of injustice to not giving the same power, the same opportunity to the, for a female, for a woman. Why not, right? And then I do understand this privilege that I think is wrong. We need to... It's better than the past. We see now the woman be more empowered, but we do need to support more. And but I do recognize in my underprivileged while a man, and the, while an immigrant. Uh, I'm not talking about only the African community, but uh, the uh, African American community, because there's an African community and African American community. Like that's it. Right. Right. There. Right there. But I'm talking about me as an immigrant. And an immigrant in this country, but there is no much opportunity if you are immigrant, if you are first generation immigrant, like what the, for example, what the Japanese in the past, what they did for some generations, just raising decades exactly as an Americans, just speaking very well in English, right. not heavy accent, because they want to protect them, right. to do not be discriminated like they were because they mm-hmm. had the accent, they came from, you see like uh, uh, doctors and the, the amazing professionals from other countries, they don't have the opportunities to exercise their professions here the most of the time because they are immigrants. So there's a lot of legal barriers right. that say, okay, you can do that, you are already a dentist in your country, but you're gonna be, uh, you know, you're gonna be support, be a, a, 
like washing dishes or here they wash dishes that's the thing that happened and the the black people and the immigrants need to work three or four times more to Mm -hmm. do to prove that you can do the same thing that other people can do and sometimes i feel that way i feel that uh when you're talking in, in some positions I did have some experience, bad experiences here with some non-profit organization that the racism was there, uh, was not uh, the discrimination because was, uh, I am an immigrant. I, I want to keep my accent. I want to keep my <laughs> roots. I want to keep teaching Portuguese <laughs> to my kids. That's the way they, they, yeah. that I feel. And uh, I did have this uh, implicit discrimination, right? Everybody's, no, there is no discrimination. Nobody will assume that it was, but it was. So we do feel that. So this is hard. This is very hard. When you're talking about how it should be, is an African-American, African-Brazilian-American. I create a term. I create, I'm african South American, because I'm from South America, okay. from Brazil. And uh, it, it's clear, it's clear that the opportunity is a little bit harder. If you have a grant, once you get the point that people, okay, you deserve the same amount for for this, mm-hmm. or you receive to get this, still is better than before for me as a black man, as an immigrant. I do have some uh, organizations that have supported me since the beginning, but I can't. I can count many mm-hmm. others that don't, right, right. that I don't see when I see the results for who has got the grant, who got the support. I don't see why I could not receive or other immigrants like me could mm-hmm. not be in the same place. So if mm-hmm. you run a nonprofit organization, uh, you have to run uh, a nonprofit organization to talk about your country because nobody's going to give you uh, a position in the nonprofit organization or, or a big size. Yes, financial support mm-hmm. uh, if you're not in the 100% American standard. So that's what I'm saying uh, on my experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mm-hmm. can be completely wrong for others' experiences, other immigrants like me. But uh, yes, when you mention about the music, how the music is for an African, South American, and an immigrant man, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard. There is a lot of places that support diversity in the United States. Yes. So I was, I was and I am very well received for many people in the community here in mm-hmm. Seattle, Olympia, wherever I go, I feel welcome. I feel loved. I mm-hmm. feel that love. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, the, this, this group that support people like me is not that group that is making people like me going to radio station, be playing, get well paid for gigs. It's not like that. When you turn the radio on, we will not be, right. I mean, you can, you can hear Antonio Carlos Jobim maybe just a little bit, you can be Sergio Mendes a little bit, but we, yeah. uh, at the yeah. end, we don't hear that. Like if you go to Brazil and you turn your radio, you're going to be a lots of American music right, right there, right? right? And then, yes, there is these things uh, at the... Uh, and the frontline singers and musicians, we need to be persistent. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to make this our talk about like uh, to a, a lamentation and uh, no, I want to right. make right. sure that I'm happy to be who I am. Right. I'm very happy to see people that that singers on the front line is like so happy to see the community that thinking about uh, we are all one. We are mm-hmm. all 
the same, right? Mm -hmm. You need to embrace everybody. You need to sing together. We need to put your voices together. I'm very proud and happy to know that exists people uh, that thinks in that way. Mm -hmm. That is that's make me very happy, and they make sure I'll be around you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because it it yeah it all started because I use the arts and music as a a tool for reflection and learning and transfer personal transformation and I was feeling lonely because I'm not a performer I don't identify as a performer I do perform but I don't identify that way and it is very inspiring to find out who's doing this kind of work because there's actually a lot of us and so I'm happy to connect everyone to everyone doing this kind of work because I think it's really important and we need each other we need to support each other and we need to keep encouraging each other and no we're not crazy like there is more to life than performance and gigging and recording and you know that's all wonderful and needed and there's this whole the all these other dimensions and music therapy and arts facilitation and all of that and i i keep thinking about the education piece because i think uh one of the problems with privilege is that we get we're blinded to the effects of our privilege and where we don't see we think we see everything clearly but there's a lot we're not seeing it puts blinders on us and so that education right. piece i think is so so key i know especially with covid 19 that there's a lot of musicians and singers who have gone online and are suddenly finding themselves trying to learn how to teach what they do and and go and entering into this educational space but not necessarily being prepared to be an educator and as someone yourself, you were an, a trained educator and you're a musician. What advice do you have for musicians who are trying and singers who are trying to get creative and think outside the performer box to make a living and to keep going? What would you say to them? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I do. I do advise for Zeus that has been performing because they're performing only. There is a there's a huge difference in be an artist and to be an educator. So that's why you say arts education, right? There is a there is a place where you blend, where you put it together. There's a teaching artist and who develop some skills, some kind of academic skills to understand how you're gonna be walking into the classroom. Uh, and then now I can say how I can walk to somebody else's home, right? Because through <laughs> virtually you literally right. walking right. to somebody else's home and uh, and and they teach them. So there is, there is a, I, I, I would like to see people that already have some academic experience, maybe create like a supporting group or something that can share experiences. Is a, is a teaching is not anything that, that you develop to do from the day for the night, right? It's okay, like COVID-19 stop everything in March. Okay, now in six months, I'm a teacher, right? Takes a little bit more to develop some skills on teaching. Of course, we always make mistakes. I still make mistakes when I'm mm -hmm. teaching. I'm still learning uh, when I teach. I still uh, learning from others, like even right. being a teacher for more than 30 years or so. Uh, I, I, I feel myself learning from 21 years old that came and they showed a different way to teach and say, wow, that's cool. I need to, anyway, to make the long story short, there's a few things that I recommend for reading. 
creative habit of the minds is one thing. Uh, why pick way is the youth youth program quality assessment that talks about the the pyramid that when you're talking about what's the quality how you assess how you can put things in the base of the pyramid that you need to get to the point when you when you achieve something that you you plan you plan 21st century skills is important to have like to see people learn differently everybody can learn everybody is able to learn but people learn in different pace or in different ways right? right which way you can observe your student you observe who is taking your class online i teach a few classes online already and they say hmm, i'm not i have not been effective doing mm -hmm. what i do so you have to fast yeah. like right there have like right. to reinvent right. yourself lesson plan is important like when you go and you plan what you're gonna do you you can have like these three steps it's like a music like you sing it mm -hmm. we have like your intro you have right. our, our music right. and then the outro right so the same thing you have to think about when you teach mm -hmm. right first is the goal who is your audience what kind of music you play right what kind of instrument you play and then you make your lesson plan what's your lesson plan oh i have one hour with zoom in this hour, let me have the intro, introduce myself, maybe checking where the class is. If you are having 15 people in your Zoom class, right, it's important to check even quickly, but everyone to mm -hmm. see what they are. Maybe you have a beginners there, maybe you have intermediate, maybe you have an amazing professional already, and how you can work in the way that everybody feels included. Mm -hmm. So that's important for those that is uh, looking for uh, teaching is on one way for income, one way for um, to keeping your artistic uh, activities. Uh, since performing is it's very limited now, even a lot of life is happening. But it's one more thing to do. Thinking about that, I think to look around some tools that is already mm -hmm. there. In my case, like walking away from assumption that okay, now you not because you don't have a rhythm you don't sing like <laughs> let's make sure everybody right. is included right. right in the way that you can uh look in how uh, those that need more time to learn how you can help them to feel mm -hmm. to feel included and that feel that yes we can do it and it, yes we can do it mm -hmm. we can we can we can play together we can sing together we can win together I think for a lot of really gifted musicians where it just comes naturally, it can be a little bit challenging to break it down, you know, for different kinds of learners. Well, this has been great. And I want to give you an opportunity to now to say anything that maybe you haven't said. Is there, is there any, uh, any last thing you want to share or anything you wanted to make sure gets included? I, I, I just want to say that how I'm inspired by my community of um, musicians and uh, singers and teachers and let me say people at large <laughs> the community people at, at large, large. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I just want to say for the people at large how much I appreciate you in these very difficult times how people has been strong in terms of looking for different way I have been reinventing my, reinvent myself like learning new things how to do things differently 
And uh, I appreciate my community of uh, artists and people that has been looking for different ways to communicate, different ways to to play music, different way to to share and learn. Uh, that's uh, just want to say we we're gonna be past this situation. We're gonna be overcome the situation. We're gonna be beat these these crazy things around like, globally. And uh, yeah, that's my my admiration, my respect for the frontliners, doctors, musicians, teachers, uh, drivers, like all of you. That sometimes people don't see you. Uh, I say I see is very important with doctors, the scientists does is important, but musicians too, right? The singers, people that uh, when you turn your your computer on. There's a lives everywhere, like people sing, and then you stop to listen to the music, right? Right. right. Make is you are making huge difference in thousands and thousands of people. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate you all. That's lovely. That's lovely. Well, thank you for the work that you do, and all that you do, and uh, yeah, I look forward to just watching it all unfold. And I'm sure. We're all challenged to take this all online and keep those kids, you know, connected and keep the creativity flowing. And um, may the day come soon when we can meet in person again and really right. feel that full effect of making music together. Thank you. Thank you. Obrigado. That's thank you in Portuguese to Eduardo for sharing his time and wisdom in this episode of Singers on the Front Lines. You can follow Eduardo on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And for links to Eduardo's work, visit the Sonic Bloom website at www.sonic-bloom.org newsletter to get notifications of future Singers on the Frontlines podcasts. You can subscribe to this show on Podbean, iTunes, or on RSS, so you'll never miss a beat. We're just getting started, and if you liked this interview and want to help us get up and running, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or simply share with a friend. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep on singing.